and be sure to access the link in this episode for access to all its giving content. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of It's Giving, where we discuss the latest in TV and film. This is your host, your boy, Brandon the Introvert. In this episode, we're going to be discussing Atlanta Season 4, Episode 1. The season just premiered uh, around this time. Right now, it's Sunday, September 18th. So it just premiered this past Thursday. I feel like a lot of people didn't know (laughs) that it was coming back. I I feel like I've been getting some messages about like, oh, like Atlanta's back. Uh, I I felt like it just premiered, et cetera, et cetera. And it did, like season three did just premiere this year. I personally feel like, but I personally feel like they could have done stronger promo and maybe have it premiere next year i don't know i feel like the like the hard hard atlanta fans not even hard but like atlanta fans watch season three but i feel like if you weren't atlanta fan you might have not even seen the third season or have even known that atlanta even came back for the third season it's been four years so and I'm a newcomer, pretty much. I knew of Atlanta. I just never sat down and watched it until uh, this year, a little, like, right before season three. But And I binged, like, season one and two, loved it, and then got into season three. I didn't even need to see any episodes before knowing I was going to review that show in general because I just, I just knew. I just knew. Uh, but you can catch my season three recaps on uh, the pod. I'm going to be posting links and shit like that. But I already reviewed that, just not on YouTube, I guess, if you want to. Yeah. But, yeah, I feel like the promo wasn't strong, like, for neither season, season three or season four. Like, you've been gone for four years. People need to know. But I feel like Donald Glover and the team probably were just like, if you love us, if you fuck with us, you're going to go on it. If you don't, they, like, they don't, I feel like they don't give a fuck. I feel like because the, the show speaks for itself in terms of the quality and the way it's going to go down um, through the years. I already know people are probably going to do a lot of think pieces on it later down the line. But right now, I just feel like the energy just isn't there in terms of like people in your average viewer paying attention to Atlanta as opposed to, you know, big uh, uh, shows like Industry, House of Dragon. I heard it's called The House of the Dragon. It's House of Dragon. But like, you know, big shows like that. So I don't know. And I wasn't there to see the season one rollout, season two rollout. So I can really only compare for season three and season four. And I just feel like neither of those rollouts were like that significant. If you weren't like following the Atlanta page or actively looking up like, okay, is Atlanta coming back? I feel as though it was very easy to miss. So that's kind of what I have to say about the beginning. But now we're in season four. We're going back into Atlanta uh, from a long trip, a long journey in uh, from Europe, mixed with some anthology episodes as well. You guys can catch my season three recap on that. It should have been posted by now. By, by the time this video comes out, it should have already been posted. Yeah, you can catch that. But yeah, now the gang, uh, Earn, Al, Darius, and Van, they're back in Atlanta from Europe. And we see in this episode, they've I'm going to talk about it, but 
their lenses have changed. So let's let's get into it. I feel like that that was a that was a good segue. That was a good segue, Brandon. That was a good segue. So we start off with the episode one, directed by Hiro Morai, who's usually usually the director for um, the Atlanta episodes, and written by Stephen Glover and Donald Glover, the Glovers. And we find ourselves in the. It's so interesting how just the strong effect of 2020 and by strong i mean the the presence of 2020 in a lot of different ways you have the the riots i feel like it's more so retribution then you have just the world all of a sudden realizing black lives matter or you know black lives should be paid attention to after we saw the you know the death of george floyd Breonna taylor so it was just the list goes on and on specifically for that year and also the of course the the years before especially during um trump's reign i feel like 2020 is special because not a lot of shows can pinpoint an exact can pinpoint an exact place in time where you already know what it is and you can already you already feel the feelings that were attached to that time unlike period pieces i feel like with period pieces like the 80s 90s 70s like of course you can find those distinct eras distinct moments certain assassinations happen certain bombings happen certain advancements happen you can kind of pinpoint that but i don't think especially obviously we weren't born in that era especially as an adult during that time you can't really feel the emotional weight and even if you were there it happened so long ago i feel like all you have to go by is just for the most part pure memory but 2020 is special because it just happened we're still in this decade and it was a lot of monumental shit that happened so we get catapulted right into 2020 i feel like season three was like right before 2020 of course so i feel like the 2020s is interesting because it's a you know it's the 2020s either by mass either by the unrest that was going on the pandemic of course the insurrection just a lot of shit you could pinpoint oh that was the 2020s and it's still happening right now and it's so great that tv shows movies more i've seen more so tv shows they have to tell the story. They can pick and choose which parts they want. I feel like TV shows don't have to do unless it's literally relevant to the essence. I don't use brand, but the essence of the story, like P-Valley. Y'all had to mention the pandemic because it affected so many black lives. Y'all had to talk about the effect on small businesses. Y'all had to talk about politics because I feel like those seeds were already in there. I feel like Atlanta is that type of show, but it's very, it lacks that type of passion in that way. And it's more so interested in kind of the intellectualism of it all. It, it wants you to do, it wants you to just discuss and think, not necessarily feel or act, if that makes sense. I feel like P-Valley wants you to feel and maybe even want to act on certain uh, things. I feel like Atlanta is just, this is what's going on. This is our lens. Let's talk about it. If you don't, that's cool too. And let's laugh and let's kind of fuck your mind up a little bit too. I feel like that's their essence. So I don't feel like, I feel like including the pandemic would have felt too heavy for the show. And I feel like it would have burdened the show a lot. But 
including the stuff like, you know, while people were going in and taking stuff from Target. I don't want to use the word looting. I don't want to use the word rioting because Target's going to get their money back. They got their money back. They got their insurance. Like all these businesses, they're going to get their money back and then some. So I don't even want to use the word looting because it's like it looting is connoting just doing a, 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 a wide sweep of stealing. I feel like a wide thievery, if you will. And if you ask me, I feel like no thievery was going on. If anything, these businesses, these corporations are the ones that thieve from us every single day and drain us every single day. Uh, but that's besides the point. We're here to talk about Atlanta. But I feel like they had to add the the target, the target people taken from target and stuff like that. I feel like that's a very I feel like that's in alignment with the essence of the show, if that makes sense. But anyway, we start off with Darius. He's in the middle of the 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 target lootings and stuff like that. I'm using the word looting, but I don't really mean it. I just don't have another sophisticated word to use. Um, but he's in the middle of it. People are stealing shit. People are taking shit. As y'all saw in the videos, people were just, I should have went in the targets. I really should have, but I was scared. But I should have, I should have went in the targets. But people are just taking stuff, you know, the exact cause isn't really mentioned, but obviously I feel like you don't really even need to say it, you know, because it was in the news all day long, all not year long, but all summer long. So we see that and Darius is just aloof as usual. He's trying to return a uh, air fryer and completely blocks out everything that's going on. He goes up to a register, tries to return it. The nigga at the register is just like, nigga, are you serious? Like, you don't see what's going on? And of course, Darius is just like, whatever. But he goes to return it. The cashier takes out the, the, the cash box and just takes the cash and runs away. So Darius is just like, like, oh man, and goes out to the exit and we see this white woman on the wheelchair. I don't know if y'all saw the video of that white woman in the wheelchair, the white woman in the wheelchair with the knife. And she was just trying to stop people from stealing for whatever reason. It felt like she was the security, felt like she was the bad bitch in charge and was literally trying to stab people until people put a fire extinguisher on her ass, which is literally what happened within like the first two, three minutes of this premiere. Uh, she tries to stop Darius saying, like, you can't steal. She's like, I would rather die than let you steal from this place. Like, literally. And Darius is just like, okay, and keeps walking through. After they, the people put the extinguisher on her and she comes out with the knife, they, she scares people off with the knife. She goes up to Darius chasing at, well, not chasing after him, but wheeling after him on the wheelchair with the knife, like, slowly but surely like going up to him and he's just walking away from it all so i read an article saying that i believe it was on either av club or vulture saying i don't know i feel like this was a little i mean it could have been right but saying the air fire represented like middle class aspiration and a white woman who usually poor white women seeing a black man with any middle-class aspiration wants to knock that down, of course, because white women know they have the power to take a whole nigga's life away, especially a black man. We see it historically, we see it now. So apparently that kind of represented that in like that constant, not chase, but that constant, that constant 
and that reminder, that constant, that attachment. Really, it's that constant, let's call it fervor, constant fervor that white women have when it comes to seeing black people have any type of rights or black people going above them in any type of way, especially black men and especially black men they consider as poor and uneducated and whatnot. So apparently it was supposed to represent that. Cool. I'll take it. I'll buy it. I'm not going to really, that wasn't my first impression. I just viewed it as a racist ass white woman and we saw how she was in real life. But if you want to go in the depths of that, then sure. Uh, we see now that Al was, he's in the traffic. He's on the way to an airport, but he's undecided on where to go. We see one of his favorite rappers, Blue Blood, died, and Blue Blood's voice, uh, fictional rapper, but Blue Blood's voice is voiced by Earl Sweatshirt. I mean, it was very obvious, but if y'all didn't know. And apparently the rapper used to post clues on Tumblr and stuff like that, like kind of as a mental scavenger hunt type of nigga. And apparently he died three months before Blue Blood, died three months before uh, the release on the public release on his death apparently this was a reference to mf doom i don't know the whole character of blue blood but at least the the dying months before your public release mf doom i believe died in october but then it was made um his death was announced in december so definitely a connection there uh we see that Al, and this is important, Al, he's undecided on where to go. Like, he, he's like, should I go to Jamaica? Should I go where? Should I go here? Should I go there? And it seems like there's a wanting to leave Atlanta, which is ironic because you were gone away from Atlanta for a good bit. Um, of course, Atlanta doesn't rely on pure, straight up uh, a chronological timeline. So they could have been back like a month ago two weeks ago, three months ago, we don't know. But we can assume it was at least recent. You know, Al has this need to kind of just leave Atlanta. And he's definitely uh, heartbroken about the death of Blue Bud. And we see the woman is still chasing Darius, uh, literally in the traffic, like still on that little motor. All you hear is that motor going up to him uh, to the point where he leaves the car and she like swipes at him and she he just says fuck this and just goes and walks off now we see van and urn they go they're in they're shopping this place called atlantic station which i think is supposed to mean is like a proxy or a stand-in for atlanta but uh they go into the atlantic station they're running some errands and there we see like urn running into x's and then we see Van running into an X. But, of course, in Atlanta fashion, you know it has to be a twist behind it. After Van runs into her ex at the AT&T where they're going to get a new phone or whatever, Van says, like, her ex worked in the same AT&T 10 years ago. So we already know, okay, 10 years ago and they're running into exes, like, which is a normal thing in certain areas that you go to, of course, but somebody working at AT&T for the exact same 10 years, it's like, okay, what's going on? We don't know what's going on yet, but we know something is going on. So now we're back in traffic. Darius is gone. 
Al, I mean, Earn and Van are in the Lantic Station, and we see a fan recording Paperboy in traffic uh, as if he knows him, just flogging and all that for him. And the, Dar- uh, Darius, Al just had enough, and he decides to just swerve off and t- leave off of traffic and go somewhere else, which takes him to a gas station. So uh, as he's pumping his gas, he's listening to the new Blue Bud release, and he notices like in the lyrics, the lyrics are actively talking about like going to D&D barbecue and get a zoo pie. And Al looks up and he's right next to a place called D&D barbecue. So of course, Al being the curious person he is, goes to this place and asks for a zoo pie. And so the cook there says, okay, one zoo pie, cool. Begins making it. And he puts on a song on the CD player uh, by Blue Blood. I don't think this is a, yeah, I think it was an unreleased track because Al's never heard of it. But we hear in the song, like, it's literally talking about what's already there. Like, talking about, I'm under some meat and barbecue, whatever. And Al is literally under pictures of this, these uh, pictures of barbecue and stuff like that. And just certain things that are going on in real life is documented in these lyrics. I feel like the lyrics, of course, were pre-recorded for the person that is on this uh scavenger hunt which al finds out after he gets the zoo pie because we see there's like these little blue bud uh symbols uh logo in the uh, little styrofoam container of the zoo pie which is just some fritos and baked beans and i think some chunks of pineapple but al figures out the scavenger hunt and he goes on his own little journey now we see Earn and Van, they're literally surrounded by their exes where it's given like a graveyard of exes. Like it's getting a little scary because it's just like, okay, how are all these people in this place right here, right now that they all know, which freaks out Van. And it is a little eerie. It's very eerie the way they have it. And Hero, like his direction is very like, it's always on point. So it can make, even like the familiar look kind of eerie. And I feel like that's exactly the vibe that I got from this scene. So Van wants to leave. They end up in a parking garage and they see uh, Ern's, one of Ern's exes that greeted them as soon as they went to like Atlantic Station. Uh, her name is Kenya. She can't recall how long she's been in there. And they ask like, okay, so what, what movie did you see at the Regal when you came in? And she said, now you see me too? And they look at her like, and she's like, that's bad, isn't it? I looked up Now You See Me Too, and that movie came out six years ago. So we can assume like they're in some perpetual kind of purgatory loop uh, in this Atlantic station. And I'm going to explain what I think it means um, after this uh, little recap. So, um, we can assume Atlantic Station is a trap of sorts and especially a trap for those that don't realize it. Like, I think it's the worst type of trap when you don't realize you're in a trap. So then uh, next after this scene, we see Darius is still being chased by that crazy white woman. And he tries to explain, like, look, I'm, I was returning something. I wasn't stealing. So what the fuck is up? And she tells him, like, I don't care. Like, I don't care. She's just after blood. She don't want to see him shine. She don't want, not even shine. She don't even want to see him 
not even thrive. He was just returning something. She don't want to see his ass alive. That's the problem. That's the point. She don't, she don't give a fuck what your situation is. She just sees that you are a black man and she has power over you and she's going to exercise that power in whichever way she can, even if it defies logic. And that's the white woman's specialty. Um, but for me, I feel like Darius is a pacifist. That's why he kind of got up and left and just went the other way. He doesn't want to fight. I feel like a lot of people, they've been saying like, why didn't he just push her ass down or just kick her ass down? But like I said, I personally feel like Darius is a very woo-woo pacifist. He's like a monk almost. So he's not going to do that. He's just going to try to escape the best way he can and keep it pushing. Now back to uh, Al's journey. We see he's taken on this entire, entire, entire um, scavenger hunt. Uh, and it the blue blood letters lead him to different locations. So... It takes him to a pool, takes him to an arcade, takes him to a random person with the QR code tat, QR code tattoo, comic book store, a laundromat, uh, the theaters, and then finally into a storefront where we see it's a funeral for Blue Blood held by his girlfriend slash widow Keisha. And we get some information about Blue Blood from Keisha. Uh, from what she says that Blue Blood, she did all this for the culture and decides to do a scavenger hunt as soon as he found out that he was going to die. So he set this up for the people that really, I suppose, appreciate the culture. And uh, he put a lot of effort into that album when it seems like he had a sickness or something. But he managed to do a whole fully fleshed out scavenger hunt and a whole album right before his death. And apparently only five people, including Al, uh, was able to figure out the scavenger hunt and was able to uh, figure out the location of the funeral. So Al, you know, he pays his respects. He's just listening to Keisha and then asked to go up to see the body. And it's just a skeleton with the angel's hat because his body, of course, is cremated three months uh, prior. So now we're back at Atlanta Station. And like I said, it's beginning to look like purgatory. It's a lot of lost souls at this point until Earn finds an emergency exit and takes Van with him. But before they do that, Van kind of has a moment where she's just like, I don't want to end up like your exes. I don't want to end up here just forgotten and just lost. And Earn reassures her saying like, no, I'm not going to leave you here like everybody else like. You know, and Van, like, you can rest assured you are different. He recognized you, not just as his baby moms, but I feel like they do have a special connection. They do get each other in a very, like, genuine, deep, real way. So once they kind of have that reassurance, Van goes with them. It's kind of dark. I think it was some wet parts. Uh, it felt like um, carpet, I think. But it, I just remember them saying it was just a little moist and stuff. And uh, they keep pushing, keep pushing, even through the dark. They keep pushing and keep pushing out. And then it turns out, well, Ern sees a light at the end of the tunnel. And it turns out that light pushing past the door is the funeral location where Al is at for Blue Blood. And to the point, when they came out, Al was just like, y'all fuck with Blue Blood too? So that was pretty funny. Like, because, you know, why the fuck are y'all here? So... They, you know, <laughs> meet each other and then afterwards all go outside and then Darius ends up linking with them and Kenya also followed them as well. 
and Darius ends up giving the air fryer to Kenya because she needed a gift for her dad. And the dad is probably like six years older by now. But the gang all leaves while Kenya waits for her Uber. And while she's waiting, we just see her from behind. But we hear the motors I've been talking about, the wheelchair motors. And we know that white woman is here to do some slashing and comes up right behind her. We can hear her, but we can't see her. And then the final cut is just when Kenya is just like looking back and we know what's about to go down. Hopefully she didn't get stabbed. But that was episode one, season four of Atlanta. Now let's get into kind of, um, let's get into the breakdown. I feel like the opening episode will sets up the tone for TV series. And especially in the case for Atlanta, we have uh, season one, episode one. I feel like just kind of that come up story. Al's just in a, Al Earn is just in a place where he don't know what he's doing with his life. But he has something special and he's willing to kind of make it work with some finesse and whatnot. And I feel like we saw that prevalent throughout that season. Season two, we start off with Robin season where we see them boys found out um, some people were selling weed at the not the Wendy's, but it was some fast food place. And they go up and rob them. Um, A whole shootout happens. Everybody trying to get theirs. Everybody trying to hustle. People will steal to get what they need. People will kill to get what they need. And we see that prevalent throughout that season. Season three, we start off with Laquarius the orphan. I keep saying orphan. Laquarius, the little black boy, he's taken into a completely foreign place, completely white foreign place, has white parents, all of that, and is subjected to the most brutal racism ever to the point where they're going to kill everybody with them if he doesn't do anything about it. And then at the end of that episode, we see Ern wake up in the, not the middle of Europe, but yeah, we'll say in the middle of Europe with some white woman. Even the music that they play at the end of that episode is very eerie, very like we're in a foreign land. What's going on? So, and I feel like that was indicative of all of season three. We're black. We're from Atlanta. We're in this foreign land and we have to survive before these white people will kill us or these white people are just, they have no rules. They have no laws to stop them. So, and we see that with the anthology episodes as well. So, uh, more, uh, more so with the characters in terms of being placed in a foreign place. I think the anthology episodes were used as a mouthpiece for, to just talk about kind of the American perspective and just the racist shit that goes on in America. It was used because our characters weren't in America. So we needed that kind of American piece. But I feel like overall, long story short, the beginning episode sets up the tone for this season. And I feel like now that these characters are back from Europe and in Atlanta with a fresh perspective, a fresh pair of eyes, things look different to them. Things don't feel like home, maybe. Things are unfamiliar. Things might look the same. And there's a need to kind of leave that. And we see that with specifically with Al and then Al a little bit, but more so with Ern and Van. We see that Atlanta... They try, even though they try to leave Atlanta, there's forces out of their control that keep them there, or maybe not even out of their control, just forces that will tie you in a rut to the point where you have no control. 
And I feel like Atlantis, Atlantic Station was kind of a stand-in for Atlanta to kind of convey that, that feeling of trap, that feeling of just being in a runt, that purgatory feeling, the feeling of having outgrown a place and wanting to exit out of it, literally exit out of it. You see the same people doing the same things. They don't even know they're the same people doing the same things. They don't even know they haven't changed. They don't know they've been in the same place forever and ever. Like Kenya staying in there for six years. The guy at the AT&T, AT&T store was in there for 10 years, you know? So I feel like there's a feeling of a fear of being trapped and stuck to your same devices, same mentality, and just the same shit. You know, and I feel like this group, especially having evolved, not just from Europe, but just the past seasons, like they're completely different. They're completely different. I feel like they're more sure of themselves. They kind of know what they're doing. They know their power. You know what I mean? So you're just going to view shit different, especially when you come back home where niggas are doing the same shit. So I personally feel like that emergency exit was supposed to represent kind of a refusal of being trapped uh a wanting to leave but not necessarily know knowing where leaving will take you i feel like that's why it was dark that's why you felt weird stuff like you know got you scared like van was starting to get really scared but earn kept pushing on and pushing on while van was you know right behind him following with him and um, you don't know the path. You don't know the path, but all you do know that is it's necessary to escape from that rut, escape from that trap, escape from that prison. You don't know where it's going to take you, but you know you got to escape. And I feel like with Van, she was always afraid of Earn leaving Atlanta, going to these different places and not bringing her along with her. As an individual, as Lottie's mom, as a whole, you know, another person, I think she has always been afraid of everybody else leaving and just she's doing the same shit or she's just stuck with no purpose. So I feel like that was kind of a good kind of like metaphor stand in if whatever device you want to call it, whatever you want to call it for that. Yeah. And I feel like you don't know where that place, I don't know if I said that with my little rant, but you don't know where that place is going to lead you. And I feel like in this case, it led them to the right place. Like with Runa Al, Darius came, you know, all at the same time, they all came together. So I feel like regardless of their past, I feel like this group will always end up together because they have that mentality. I don't know about Darius. I, I mean, Darius has transcended. I think he's transcended the average, the normal person. But in general, I do feel like this group, they're more than they're more than the 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 old Atlanta antics. They're more than just staying at home doing nothing. Like they've they've reached a level where Atlanta isn't the only place for them, I personally feel like. So yeah, and I feel like also this scene shows like how far the emergency exit scene showed how far Earn and I don't, I'm always trying to not confuse Earl and Al's name, but shows how far Earn and Van 
have uh, come from Earn at one point, like looking down on her, just viewing her as an accessory pretty much and just a tag along to now realizing her as a person. And I think it took Van having to find herself going through the throes of that to really kind of stand in that and make it known what she needs and what she wants, I feel like. So I feel like that was a good development moment. Um, And I feel like the... We'll see. Uh, We'll see. I've only seen episode one and two, but we'll see what this season is trying to say about Atlanta and about this group and about home and coming back home with a new pair of eyes and whether you can get sucked up into home. You know what I mean? So having the courage to step out, leave, elevate, when necessary and when you're ready and not being stuck in the masses like everybody else. Like I said, it, the season three recap, this group is different. They're different now. And we're going to see the culmination of that in this season. So I'm really excited to see where they're going to head to. Um, I'm excited to see what this season is trying to say. We, I believe it's 10 episodes in this season. So we have eight more episodes left, of course. And this is the place that y'all need to be going to for your Atlanta recaps and a lot more. Um, I'm not just going to be talking about Atlanta. It's going to be, you know, we're going we're gonna to be doing it all. So, that, but yeah, this is the place to go to. It's giving. It's giving pod. The link, the link tree is will be in each of these videos uh, for you to just access our Twitter, Instagram, uh, TikTok, even. Uh, of course, YouTube uh, in the actual audio for the podcast, which is going to be. But yeah, this is your home place for some good analysis. Uh, looking forward to having guests for this season of Atlanta, talking about Atlanta. And yes, we gonna have a lot of cool stuff. Just be on the lookout. And this has been your boy, Brandon, the introvert. I'll talk to y'all later and bye. <laughs>